I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. And we're back for 2018, so happy holidays and happy new year to all of the Food About Town listeners. In 2018, I'm endeavoring to put a new episode out every week, and it'll be released Tuesday mornings. So please share it out on Facebook and Instagram, and let people know that Food About Town will be out every week on Tuesdays. In episode 88 of the Food About Town podcast, Colin McConville, the head distiller from Apple Country Spirits, came over to talk through their new Applejack 5-year. Got to do a tasting of that, of their new Applejack 2-year, some of the in-process products they're working on, and it, it was great to have Colin over. He came over once before with the fine people from Knucklehead Brewing for their truce, and this is, this is really a... It's, he's, he's a great resource locally for distilling. So this this was this was a pleasure to have him over. I'm definitely hoping to have him over again. Make sure to go check out Apple Country Spirits in Williamson, New York. Check out their website. And you can check them out on social media, Facebook, and I believe Instagram as well. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Food About Town, and at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. feeling the chill in my bones getting out of my car and i've got a well-bearded man across from me which is always a great thing to say (laughs) why don't you introduce yourself sir i'm uh colin mcconville i'm the head distiller at apple country spirits uh, over in williamson the the i know for a lot of people in rochester it seems like a distant land but i swear we're only about 25 minutes out of rochester yeah really not that far (laughs) um and uh we had colin on once before with the fine people from knucklehead brewing yes when they're doing their truce collaboration which i should i should start by saying uh the two-year-old version of that will be out sometime this winter we we met we did two barrels initially and uh, the first one was for the first release. The second one will be released at some point, but that's all I know right now. We're still trying to figure all that out. That'll be really interesting <laughs> to see how it how it changed over another year. A lot, a lot. <laughs> we we, we, we pulled some samples off and compared it, and uh, the the original Truce release is actually still really good. Um, we uh, we still have some bottles of that that we've been playing with, and um, that's aged very nicely. But the two years, uh, just more barrel. I mean, yeah, that's 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 what it comes down to. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's going to be really interesting because the first one was it was balanced, it had a fair amount of sweetness, mm-hmm. enough barrel, but not a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really interested to see how this one popped. <laughs> I almost brought some, but uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to make this uh, more about the Applejack <laughs> instead of yeah, the yeah, which is good. Um, so uh, before we dive into that, because we're we're here 
and something I've been waiting for for a while is um, they're releasing the five-year Applejack, mm-hmm. yep. which is, I know, something they've been eagerly awaiting <laughs> since all the barrels. The whole there. five years. whole five years they've been waiting for it. Um, but before we do that, and um, we're going to talk for a second about the area where you guys are in. You're in Williamson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and this summer kind of was interesting. The whole area kind of popped for a little while with the Swillburger lobster concept, <laughs> Swillies, up in uh, Pulteneyville, which is only, what, 15 minutes away from you guys, 15, 20 minutes? Not even. I think it's a short ride down 21 to us, so it's, yeah, 15 minutes if there's if you hit the light at 104, I guess. Right, if you hit the light. <laughs> um, so really close, because that's, and again, for relation's sake, if you went out this summer to go to the new Ohio house out there or Swillies Lobster Rolls, mm-hmm. um, directly south of there is where Apple Country Distilling is. Yeah, we Apple have... Apple Country Spirits. I, Apple Country Spirits. That's okay. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I've heard so many different names for it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a great asset to the area, and I, I like it because it's actually within walking distance of my house. Oh, is so, it really? You're right. So the rest of you need to stop coming because I need lobster rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's... It, it was, one, such a such a unique thing this summer. Lobster rolls really popped here in Rochester. Did. And... That whole thing, I loved. I love the drive, and I love going up there. Yeah, it's right on Lake Road, so you get to if you want to take the scenic route, just take the lake the whole way, and 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 you get to see it. And there's there's parks on the way. There's one in Webster. You keep going a little further. There's uh, my favorite park is Beechwood State Park out in uh, uh, near Sodus, and it's gorgeous. Absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous drive. Well, that, that whole area, and it's it's weird again how close mm-hmm. you know Williamson and Pulteneyville are to Rochester. I'd never been to Pulteneyville before. <laughs> Um, it's a nice I little hamlet. We I like didn't, it. I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you're talking about sodas, when you're talking about the little finds you can you get out there that people have no idea about. Yeah, there's a little Mexican grocery store on you know 104 continuing yep. out. Yep. What a cool little place it is, and uh, we're we're definitely starting to see a little bit more foot traffic, especially with. Um, Right in Williamson, we now have a winery. We have two cideries, ourselves included, the distillery. And there's another winery that should be opening up here in the next couple uh, of weeks. So, Or not weeks, the uh, next couple months. So we have this area that was it was a dry town until 1999. And then they allowed beer and wine. They didn't allow spirits till 2004. Really? Um, and now we have all these alcohol producers because we grow it. Uh, we're we're all farmer farmer uh, grower uh, producers. We all we all grow uh, at least some, if not all, of what we use. Yeah. Do you know much about the wineries or what are the what they're doing out there? Um. Yeah. It's uh, the the winery that's out there is Young Summer Winery. Uh, they've been open for a while now. Actually, a couple of years ago, their Riesling won best small batch Riesling at the uh, Governor's Cup or the New York really? Wine Competition. And uh, interesting. They make some some really cool stuff out there and. Um, shout out to Herman Wilma. Um, they uh, they've they've been doing it a while, and they they absolutely love it. They're killing it. Oh, I have to go out and check it out. That's that's really interesting, because yeah. um, it's you know it's it's great to see the wineries because there's there's so much, and something obviously you guys know a lot about is there's so there's it's hard to get away from the fruit, <laughs> but there's a lot of character that happens in the technical process, and you know obviously you know these the grapes are being probably grown in the Finger Lakes. Um, some of them, they do do uh, some estate-grown stuff. They have uh, uh, several acres of uh, a vineyard there, and there's a couple other vineyards actually up by the lake. Um, we're working. I'm working with Herm right now 
um, for the wine trail. We're on the Lake Ontario Wine Trail. Yeah. Um, and we're we're actually slowly uh, working towards uh, designating an AVA, an American Viticulture Area, for uh, our area. Really? That's awesome. It's good. We're, we're years out from that, but um, there's more and more people growing grapes, not necessarily making wine yet, but... And that's um, up on the lake. Yep. Um, there's a couple people right off of Lake Road that are growing grapes, and then okay. some that are just a little bit south. That's really interesting because, I mean, it is a distinct area mm-hmm. because, I mean, we know there's other people growing, you know, grapes and apples mm-hmm. up on Lake Ontario on the west side, mm-hmm. out towards Medina and those areas. Yep, yep. Um, but this area is completely different. It's yeah. a completely different area of the lake. Yep, and they got their AVA designation. They're the uh, uh, Lake Ontario Escarpment, I think, Okay. Yeah, it's AVA. They got it a couple of years ago on the west side. Um, and that's kind of what gave us the kick in the pants to get it on this side, too, because, um, yeah, we, we've been growing a lot of the same stuff for a long time. So uh, we want to kind of designate that, yeah, we we can grow some world-class stuff right here. Yeah. Why don't you talk about what that means, though, that the AVA and what that means for you guys? The AVA is, is to a certain extent, a marketing tool. It designates sure. the terroir of an area. And while I... That word is not my favorite, um, and I know you talked about it recently on one of your other podcasts. It's, it's still it's still a word that <laughs> it's it's a hard word to get away from because it's sometimes it is the right term for what yeah. you're trying to get out there. Exactly, and that and that's and that's it. I think it's it's it helps designate that. So if somebody goes to a liquor store and or a winery and they see this AVA designation, they know they're getting a certain characteristic that is represented from that area. So the most famous AVAs in New York are obviously like Finger Lakes, Long Island, um, and there's even more specific ones. Like I know Lake Seneca has its own AVA. Yeah, I was saying, I was gonna, I was just going to say, because I think they're starting to get more precise. I think, yeah. I think we'll see in the very near future, I think you'll see, you know, Cuca being separated from yes. Seneca. Yep. Um, which, I mean, truthfully, I think you can already tell yeah. In a lot of ways, if it's on one or the other. Yep. I and think I, it's already a different style. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that they've done in France and stuff, where you have the whole Bordeaux region, and then you have the specific valley in Bordeaux, and then you have the specific vineyard in Bordeaux, and then yes. you have the specific portion of the vineyard in Bordeaux, and, and you're seeing that specification here because the consumer's becoming more educated. Um, and so we want to we want people to be able to really pick out what they want. Yeah, which I, I is, I think, overall a good thing, but something that we all need to be careful of, those of us who do like to nerd out about these kind of things, <laughs> that it, it can be intimidating. I mean, I never True. really got into wine True. for a long time because I, I'm one of those people that needs to know a lot. And it's really intimidating because there's so much micro-knowledge. It can be. And I think that uh, that kind of goes to one of the one of the problems that we have as fruit distillers, not just from the wine world, but for fruit distillers is is that that barrier to entry is knowledge. And right. We, we make stuff that people aren't necessarily going to see on a regular basis. Like we make a sliver of its style plum brandy and nobody knows what the heck that is. So it's, it's now intimidating. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that is some sort of Scandinavian thing. <laughs> it's actually not. It's Eastern European. It's uh, okay. generally known for Poland, Lithuania, uh, that area. Uh, okay. I heard a lot of consonants, so I was thinking <laughs> Eastern European or Scandinavian. Yes, I could see that, but um, the Scandinavian version, what would that be? That would be, I don't remember. There's some <laughs> something they make up there, and I, it's escaping me at the moment. Oh, I'm but, sure. Yeah, it's all those regional things, and it's 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 
the knowledge is the hard part, and that's why it's cool to have something like the wine trail where you can go out and see where it's made. You can go to the tasting rooms. You can talk to people that are knowledgeable about it, and you can talk to... If you go to a Young Summer Winery, like Herm is usually there, or, or the people behind the bar are really knowledgeable. You come to our place, and I'm there fairly often, and um, you can talk to us about what what what, uh, what makes our products unique and what does... What does uh, uh, What's the difference between a dry cider or a, a sweet cider, and what's what's the difference between an apple brandy and an apple jack, or what's the what's what makes this unique? Yeah, so we're definitely gonna, we're going to spend a good chunk of time on the distilled spirits, but mm-hmm. before we do that, I want to talk. Let's let's talk about where Apple Country Spirits slash Rootstock Cider yes is today versus <laughs> a year ago versus you know over the last you know two three years mm-hmm. because I know you guys have. I mean, your name's out there a lot more, and yeah. the demand for cider has kind of gone crazy. It has over um, the last couple of years. We this past year, we just added did a huge expansion. Um, we added uh, four new fermenters that are twenty two hundred gallons each, uh, with two more sitting there waiting to be put in. So we more than like quadrupled our, our capacity. Um, and we've actually, this year, we have 100% utilization of apples on site for the spirits, for the cider, and then we do sell a little bit of sweet cider, too. So That's awesome. Um, so we have a 100% utilization that everything that we grew this year, we're pressing in our facility. That's fantastic. We expected that to happen in about five years, so uh, it, came, <laughs> it came a lot sooner than we expected. Yeah, does, does, that, does that mean that the volume is going to be difficult if it keeps on expanding? No. Um, this was a somewhat off year. It's it's a little bit of a fluke year. We had only about sixty percent of a crop. Sure. So in the future we should be fine. It was just kind of a fluke year where we just had this big expansion, so we have all that back back space to fill. Right. And we had a, a little bit less uh, production from the trees, so we're hoping that uh, it shouldn't be a problem. Nice. Um, it, it was just one of those things, sort of a perfect storm of uh, we need more apples. Yeah. So I mean, you're so moving towards expansion. You know, upping your capabilities equipment wise um obviously the demand for cider has gotten (laughs) gotten really it's intense over the last couple of years i see it everywhere especially the cans Uh, yeah people cider really seem to have found itself uh found its home in cans i mean we make some of our all of our specialty ciders we still put in uh, 750 milliliter bottles because our cider makers uh, started as a winemaker so he wants like the specialty heritage varieties that come from old apples and and the the barrel aged and stuff like that goes in the 750s, but uh, the cans for our day to day like flagship ciders they're they're absolutely uh, in in huge demand. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, let's talk about that for a second. You're talking about different kinds of apples, mm-hmm. um, and I had uh, Steve Sellen from uh, South Hill Cider on yep. not yep. that long ago, um, and we we talked a lot about you know heritage style apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic cider apples versus, uh, I guess what you'd call not necessarily dessert apples, but you know, moving towards what the consumable apples yeah, that yeah. most people are eating out of the grocery store. And you guys kind of cross over in a lot of that stuff, right? We do. All of our uh, our, our flagship ciders all come from dessert variety apples, so they come from ones that people are familiar with, like Crispin, um, uh, uh, Ida Red, stuff like that. Um, and what what does that do to the cider? I mean, I. I think we do blend it with very specific reasons in mind. Um, so we do have uh, certain profiles like the our hop cider, uh, the apple that goes in that is Crispin. And, and the reason for that is we want the hops to shine through. So Crispin is a little bit lighter. It's a, it's It's got a good 
sugar level and stuff, but it's a little bit lighter in flavor, so you let the hops shine through. Um, whereas something like the the dry cider, you need a little bit more of that apple backbone. So there's there's a different varietals that go into that. Um, and so you can play to a certain extent within the dessert apples, but it would be like in the wine world, just keeping all you have is like hybrids. Like you want more t- more paints to, to paint with. So right. that's where you start getting the old heritage varieties, and then you get the heirloom varieties, which are like the tiny, ugly crab apples, like the Spitzers or the Wixen and stuff. Yeah, they're really ugly. <laughs> um, they're ugly on the tree, and I've, I tasted a few right off the tree. Yeah. They just taste awful right <laughs> off the tree. Um, but you know what? It's I, uh, The way I guess I would compare it is, you know, the, the, the baseline ciders, mm-hmm. you know, the base ciders that you guys make, it's the light and crisp. Yeah. And generally speaking, they're very light, very crisp. You're going to get a little bit of apple character mm-hmm. um, and not, not a lot of... I guess overly complex. Um, you know, not a lot of big tannins, not a lot of yeah, bitterness. It's a light and crisp, super refreshing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoy it, but it's it is what it is. Yeah. And I think that's in that's, a really good way. Yeah, and that's 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 to a large extent what makes up our flagships. The the dry is a little more tannic just because it is bone dry. It's uh, got uh, we actually fermented out to to nothing and or to no sugar. Um but I definitely think that's what the average consumer is generally looking for, and that's why that's why those are our flagships. I yeah. mean, we we move more uh, dry and and original uh, than anything. But to a certain extent, just like the beer world, those act as doorways or gateways for people to try those. They start out our original usually does really well in an area when it enters, and, and then that's a peop- that's a semi sweet. It's a semi sweet. It's a, a approachable, um, and then people will usually slowly shift to the dry, and then once they've become dry fans, they'll start trying our other ones, the heritage, or the, they'll try the the um, the still cider that we have, or they'll try um, our barrel aged, and they'll get more of those flavors that uh, that that kind of make that come from the the older apple varieties. Yeah, because I, I that's I think that's the part I find really fascinating is how much how much those flavors because they're so intense. I mean, they're concentrated. Everything's concentrated yeah. in the old school apples, from the sweetness to the bitterness to the tannic and the smell and, and yeah, everything's concentrated. So you're getting this this just intense blast of flavor, and it's it can be challenging, especially yeah. if you're using natural yeasts. Yeah, it's it's about balance. I think with all things, it's about balance because there's definitely uh, some some ciders that I've had that go too far. Um, I think at least in our experience, a lot of it has to be a lot of it has to be uh, balanced with dessert apples. So we always have that back, even our heritage and stuff. We have the backbone of of dessert apples to try and make it so it's not overwhelming. Because having pressed a lot of those uh, cider apples myself. Um, and tried the juice straight, just like straight off the press. Yeah, it's not. It's overwhelming, um, and you need some a foil against that. Otherwise, it would just be. Um, it would be like trying to enjoy an over oaked wine, where you would get nothing but that one characteristic. And while that might be interesting, it's not always pleasant. Um, right. So we. It's all about balance, and I think that's that's something that that we do pretty well uh, from straight from our, our flagships all the way through to our specialties. That's interesting because it's that's an interesting way to put it because it's you're you're able to let it shine a little bit differently mm-hmm. because you're balancing it out. And I guess that's sort of where the artistic part of <laughs> doing those ciders comes in is the balancing act of how to, you know, how is it going this year versus another year? Mm-hmm. How do we balance it so everybody's everybody's happy? 
Yeah. Including the nerds, including the people that like intensity like I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of where the artistic part comes in there, I think. Yeah, you need the bread and butter and you need the, the stuff that people can just throw a six pack in a cooler and, and move on with. And then you also need that stuff that you can have a, a dinner around and that you can you can enjoy uh, and, and dissect. Yeah, which, I mean, I love doing. <laughs> I love doing those kind of tasting things. I don't know about you. you. I'm say, sure you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not... I shouldn't say this, but uh, I'm not a huge <laughs> cider fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I think part of it is just uh, like most people, if you do the same thing over and over again, oh, yeah. you usually go somewhere else. So I tend to, to gravitate more towards the breweries sure. um, and, and beers, but uh, it is fun to try different stuff and to, to, to see what the difference a year makes for the batches of, of different beers and, and, and our ciders and um, what, what goes into to the growth of the the producer. Absolutely. One, I think it's also the thing. I, it's for me, it's that streak where you want to do things like tasting notes, where you want <laughs> to dive in mm-hmm. and it's not just drinking it. You're always, there's always this dissection. It's never, I can't, it's hard to turn off for me Yeah. where yeah. I can't help myself. I just, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the little things about it and learn the stupid stuff. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, I know I've done something right when I can evoke a memory. If somebody drinks something and they get a memory from it or they smell something, they get a memory. Um, and that's 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 when I know that I've done something right because memories are something that shape us. And, and, and to be able to evoke that emotion with something that's completely unrelated um, to have an alcohol and, and be able to smell it and be like, oh, this smells like my grandfather's house when he was... Um, during Christmas or something like that. Like that's, that's when I know that I've done something right. Yeah. Super. Yeah. And it's the emotional part of it. It, I don't know. I lose it sometimes. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I just completely lose it with the, with the technical. Um, but I, I think that's, I think that's why I like, why I like talking to people mm-hmm. that have some of that perspective. Why sometimes I'll have the wife on cause she's, she tackles all that stuff so much better than I do. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to hear that 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 people get that from this kind of thing because it's yeah. it's it's one of those things that has there's a lot of heritage behind doing ciders oh, and yeah. fruit based spirits yeah. uh, here in America and especially in our area. Yeah, and the number of stills that I found in barns around the area. I mean, um, going uh, barn diving here once in a while to old barns that. Uh, people let us come in or they, they, they know what we do. So they'll be like, oh, I found this thing. Like, what is it? And it, they're like, I think it's a still. And it's amazing how many stills I've found in barns. Like, most of them are, are roached out, but we've found a couple that we've actually um, put some water through and stuff and seen if it'll work. I would never uh, use them because that's illegal. Um, Certainly not. And uh, they actually, the other, re- the, the other real reason is usually they use lead solder. Oh. <laughs> I don't feel like getting lead poisoning. Mm, um, delicious lead spirits. Yes. But yeah, it gives it a little sweet character. That's yeah, why little, people ate paint chips, right? Little tang to it. Yeah, they're, they're they're delicious. But you know what, kids, don't eat the lead paint, please. <laughs> yes, my lawyer has informed now. Um, <laughs> uh, but the it's amazing that everybody always thinks like, oh, Kentucky, Kentucky was where all these guys were. Yeah, there's a lot of them. But anywhere where you had farmers, you're gonna have this. Like we have a bunch of old timers that come in and say, oh, my my dad or my granddad had a. Uh, a barrel in the basement that they'd get a cider every year and they'd pump it in there. I just had this conversation two days ago. A gentleman stopped in and he's like, he would pump in cider every year and he'd let it sit. And as the year goes on, went on, it'd get 
uh, more and more alcoholic. He didn't add anything to it. And then by the end of the year, he'd bottle it up and bring it down, give those guys a couple bottles. They'd give him cider again, and it'd start all over again. That's amazing. And, uh, it, and, and it, was, it was that. It was uh, uh, people distilling because it's... Uh, People always want to do what they're not supposed to. So uh, during Prohibition and stuff, they'd be doing that. So um, it, it really is fun to see this explosion of interest in alcohol, uh, but also in production. Because, yeah, we're doing it on a legal scale, but we're still bringing it back to where it came from. We're bringing it back to the farm. Yeah, and I think that is that is kind of the interesting part because, I mean, yeah, we, we've always been growing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just now, I think, finally in a lot of ways – People are really interested in, you know, they have this, there's a romantic notion about farming right yep. now, yep. even though it's not. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I'm still covering apple pumice and stuff and pressing <laughs> all the apples. I mean, I still find some in my hair once in a while. Yeah. I think it's good for your hair. It looks good. It's nice. <laughs> um, Snack for later. Yeah. But it, I, there's there's this romantic notion about farming right now and the, the craft and the, the craft of farming, the craft of production. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of... There's a lot of thoughts about it. everybody. Everybody wants to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not that many people actually want to do it though. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there are some people that try it for a little while and, and decide it's not for them. I mean, it definitely takes a, a special kind of person to really get into agriculture. Um, and that was the cool part about our situation was I was able to come in um, and it's uh, De Fisher Fruit Farm. Uh, they've been doing it for uh, close to a hundred years now. Um, and so they decided to get into the alcohol. So I'm a, I was able to come into an already established farm and start producing uh, spirits right off the bat because they were like, you know, we this is when the harvest is. This is what we have. Um, and we started right away. Um, so we didn't have to kind of build the agricultural backbone first. And I think that's a huge advantage. And that's where a lot of the distilleries have the advantage over the beer guys because it's much harder right now because they don't know what kind of hops to grow. They don't know what kind of grain, or they know, but they can't grow it yet. Or grow it here yet. Yes. So we're, we were able to come and just say, you know, we have apples. Like, what can we do with these apples that we've already established? The trees are 20 years old. Like, what can we do with that? Yeah. Well, let's, so let's do a primer on the different spirits that you guys make. Um, <laughs> Too many. Yeah. So it, let, let's do a primer. We're going to do that for a few minutes. We're going to take a break. Then we're coming back and talk about some some more specifics and do some tasting of that works. some of the stuff you brought in. Okay. Um, so we are only a fruit distillery. Uh, we don't do anything with grain, so there's no whiskeys. Uh, we don't do anything with uh, sugar because sugar doesn't grow up here, so there's no rums. I'd say no adjuncts. Um, I mean, no you're, you're doing straight fruit. We're doing straight fruit. So we have um, our main, I would say our main line is our tree vodka. Um, we have our, our, our original. Uh, then we have a peach and a raspberry flavor, which we used all natural flavors. It's not artificial. Um, we actually used some of the peaches and raspberries and stuff from the farm. Um, we have our, our brandy line, uh, which is uh, all European-style brandies. So it's not sweet brandies. Like a lot of people, their first reaction is, oh, like blackberry brandy, like my grandma still drinks. It's like, no, that's a flavored brandy. Um, so it's, it's their European style. So the best foil, I guess, would be like to say like, it's like a cognac would be like a Hennessy or something, but made with different fruits. So, um, my favorite of that line is definitely the pear brandy. Um, it won a gold medal at the, uh, San Francisco world spirits competition, which is the biggest U S competition. Um, it was the only American gold medal winner that year too. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, it carries still a lot of character of the fruit. Oh, that, in there. Th- yeah, those definitely do. Especially the pear is just, it's got like honeysuckle and, and, and great, uh, uh, like Bosque pear flavors. Um, then we have uh, the apple brandy. Um, 
the uh, cherry Kirschwasser style brandy and the uh, plum Slivovitz style. Um, and so the pear was a Poor William style. The apple is a Calvados style. Um, and Calvados is kind of a very specific thing. And yes. I've, I, I have a bottle sitting on the shelf that I, I purchased, and it's the one I have is challenging at best. They are, and that's we actually, uh, when we first started developing the Calvados style um, brandy that we have, uh, uh, the owner Dave's wife Christine went to France with uh, their one of their young daughters and brought back some Calvados with her, and uh, we sat down and we all tried it and it was interesting. A lot of people have very romantic notions about it because they drank it when they were in France. Yeah, you bring it back and it's it's got a lot of interesting character to it. Yeah, and the and the one I I think we're we're probably just going to pour a, a smidge of the one I have here just out of interest. <laughs> um, it's. It's a very different profile than you'd expect. Yes, and I, um, yep, and it's uh, they're not bad. They're just not what we're used to. I think is really what it boils down to. And that's I why think that's fair. Our Calvados style actually brought a barrel sample of it. It kind of marries both worlds. It's new okay. and old world. That's interesting. Yeah, because that's I. I think people forget when they see oh pear brandy, they see all this stuff. It's like oh that's oh, you can't you got the fruit, just do it. Mm-hmm. you're actually carrying a lot of, you're trying to tackle some of these styles that are very specific, mm-hmm. that have a lot of heritage behind them. Yeah. These aren't, this isn't something that's brand new. These have been done for, you know, decades, if not hundreds of years. There's, I mean, there's some of the classic distilleries in France and stuff and in Austria that have been around for uh, a thousand years and stuff, maybe not that long, but they've been around for five, six hundred years. It's, uh, it's definitely... Uh, from a startup point, it was tough to compete with that in the beginning, but that's why we kind of took those styles and put our own twist on it because uh, we knew we weren't going to be able to compete with somebody that has a poor Williams that they have 10,000 casks they can choose from, and then they can they can blend that, and they're like 20 years old and all this other stuff. So instead, we did a little bit different, like our, our, our pear brandy. Um, it was uh, aged in uh, used Applejack barrels, so... Our Applejack is done in used bourbon barrels, and then we took that and we did the pear brandy because I think I didn't want a lot of wood flavor. I wanted it to be the oldest barrels we had, and I think that came out uh, perfectly because you don't get that the classic barrel flavors. You don't get like uh, the the oakiness or anything like that. Instead, you get more of these subtle like honey notes and and a little bit of vanilla, which is more of a classic flavor, but not too much, and um, like floral and uh, just those kinds of flavors. Not kind of wish I'd brought that. <laughs> No, that's interesting because that's that's a big part of what you guys do with these, you know, these uh, European styles mm-hmm. of the brandies, and then diving into the <laughs> Applejack side of things. That's uh, that's my baby. I think that's the the this the product line that I wish the most success for. Um, it's uh, we have our our unaged version, which is kind of like our moonshine. Um, then we have our two-year-old, which uh, we released uh, three years ago. We started doing that. It's all single barrel. Uh, we kept it at 45% alcohol, so it's close to barrel proof, but we wanted it to be a consistent proof. And then uh, what we're releasing t- today, I think, is the first day it's for sale in the tasting room, um, December 1st, is our uh, five-year-old Applejack. Um, yeah, so this this will this will be coming out next uh, next week, so this will be available in the tasting room. Yes. Um, the, for- as of when this is out then yeah so it'll be available in the tasting room mm-hmm. for everybody to try and mm-hmm. yep 
uh, bottles available as well. I, yeah, unless it sells out. Unless it sells out, which <laughs> hey, which would be a great thing, kind yeah, of. We have it, it was a single barrel, so I think it came out to two hundred and twenty bottles or something. Oh, not very much there. at all. No, and we did bottle it. It's uh, we really geeked out on it. I did a barrel proof, uncut, unfiltered. I tried to really. I tried to hit all those notes. It's kind of my love letter to to whiskey drinkers, saying try something else. This is this is probably right up your alley if you just give it a whirl. Beautiful. All right, so. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to dive a little bit more, and I want to nerd out a little bit about barrels <laughs> when we're talking about these. So we'll take a break, and we'll uh, do a little bit of taste test of some of these uh, things and talk more to Callum McConville from Apple Country Spirits and Rootstock Cider. Got it. <laughs> this week's episode of the Food About Town podcast is brought to you by Frankly. That's frankly.com, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y.com. Frankly, is the best way to find out where your local restaurant sources their food from and how to find that specialty product you love so much. Frankly.com has been recently redesigned, so please check it out and let me know what you think. You can reach me, Stromy, at Frankly.com. Check out Frankly at Frankly.com and join the open source food movement. And we're back. And we've got... We've got beautiful little glasses here from Apple Country Spirits. I I, I always travel with a, a pack of Glencairns in the car. Yeah, which I appreciate. I mean, I've got I got nice little whiskey glasses that I've got, some old school curling ones that mm-hmm. I use um, from the late 70s and early 80s. Vintage? Yeah, they're nice. They're well-seasoned now. Yeah, They've had time to absorb memories. Plenty, oh yeah. <laughs> plenty, plenty, of, plenty of those uh, curling aromatics. Mm. Um, <laughs> But we've got nice glass in front of us, which means we're going to do a little bit of a taste test on some of the Apple Jacks. Um, and I think you said you had a barrel sample of which one again? I I brought four different things to try today. Um, I brought our two-year-old Apple Jack, our five-year-old Apple Jack. Um, I brought a barrel sample of uh, a wine barrel finished Apple Jack. Interesting, because that's that's all the rage right now in it the is. whiskey world between uh, Midwinter's Night Dram, and you have all the scotches that are aged in wine barrels, and you have these all these new like Jefferson Pinot Noir barrels and Blood Oath, etc. Um, so we tried to do a little bit of that with uh, local uh, Castle Arca red wine barrels. Interesting, and then I brought uh, our closest representation to what a true Calvados is. It was a single pot distilled spirit that I threw into a small barrel just to experiment with. Mm. Um, now, we just tried the Calvados that we had talked about earlier. We did try that. And 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 true Calvados is a trip. Um, I've had some incredible ones, but I've had a lot of them that don't quite match my palate. And this is one of those. And I think that this is a, a pretty good example of, of we can do it too, but that doesn't mean we should. Mm. Interesting. So I'm I'm interested. We'll, we'll we'll why don't we leave that one for last? <laughs> yes, so that we can and end the show with a, a spit in the spit bucket. No, <laughs> it's not terrible, but there's there's reasons I, it's fun to do just like a five gallon experiment. And there's there's reasons that you should that it's nice to be a micro distillery. I can try something, and if it doesn't quite work out, I can just redistill it, and it's okay. Yeah, well, it turns into. Vodka. Turns into vodka in the end. Yeah. Everything turns into vodka in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, why don't why don't we start with what I think we've we've both had plenty of times. We'll start with our two year, right? I I think just to start out with where it all began, I guess. I yeah. didn't I didn't bring any of the unage stuff. That would be a little overwhelming for the palate. So um we'll start with the two year. Oh, look at that. He even knows how to make the noise on the microphone. What a professional. <laughs> so why don't we talk for a second about what Applejack is versus versus Calvados? I mean, what what is Applejack technically? Applejack is a subcategory of uh, uh, American apple brandy. Um, okay. It's uh, generally aged in used bourbon barrels, although there's no... Uh, strict rule about that um but ours is aged two years uh it is uh, probably one of america's oldest spirits um with uh, lairds uh, being the primary producer in the u.s right now um, and they are actually the oldest distillery in the u.s i believe although i'm sure somebody will text me and tell me that i'm wrong <laughs> um but they're at least one of the oldest distilleries in the u.s so um it's it's a apple brandy uh, aged in uh, used bourbon barrels. At least ours is aged in used uh, Maker's Mark barrels uh, for the first couple of years. Um, we've since switched over to the Buffalo Trace barrels, and this one that we're having today is Buffalo Trace barrel. Nice. Um, we actually found the Buffalo Trace barrels bring out a little bit more of the fruitiness, so we get a little stone fruit almost, like a little raspberry on it. Well, it's a different it's um, a different profile bourbon. It is, and it's it's. I didn't think that it would make that much of a difference because I thought it would be more the spirit that went into it, but um, it really did make a huge difference when we got to those new barrels. And um, you'll you'll see the difference. The five-year-old is in the old Maker's Mark barrel, so there's okay. definitely some different backbone there. I mean, the, the gist of it's still the same, but there's different notes that come through. So this is nice if it sits out and breathes for a little while. It opens up, but the uh, finish on it mm. is just you know, wonderful. It's got... Like a little bit of um, butterscotch. You get the classic like vanilla in there, but it's all those sweeter flavors, those d- desserty flavors. With and at forty five percent alcohol, I like I kept it that high so that you can feel it a little bit. You I mean, get it's that definitely, warmth down the the center. Yeah, it's definitely there. But you know what the the aroma is really rounded, uh, and I think that's the part that's it's super enticing because at you know with two years you're not getting the huge vanilla notes. You're not getting you know, those big, longer barrel notes. But, but I, I do just like the aftertaste. It just, it lingers. It's nice. The mouthfeel is good. This isn't, we didn't charcoal filter it or anything. It doesn't go through anything like that. Um, we wanted it to be um, as close to what came out of the barrel as possible because when I'm trying the barrels, that's what I'm trying. Um, and since this is all single barreled, I do, I do uh, get to, pick which one is the best we have a fair number that are ready to go now so i want it to be as close to that because that's that's what i tried when i picked that barrel right so i mean as as you're talking about it's kind of traditional to use the used bourbon barrels for this have you guys messed around with new with new oak because that's it's a completely different thing you're getting yourself into we have um we've done it on a smaller scale with like a couple five gallon (laughs) barrels just to see um how that stronger oak flavor comes through um, and I'm more of a fan of using big barrels because I like time I like what happens over time in a big barrel and the small barrels I mean just for for those that don't nerd out so a five gallon barrel mm-hmm. ages significantly faster you'll get darker colors in 
you know, a year than you will into in a big barrel. A, a year in a five gallon <laughs> barrel, you're going to get a lot of wood flavors. It's it's small barrels. The more surface area you have, the better extraction you get. So you get those those wood flavors and things, but you don't have that time to mellow it out. You don't have the 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 amino acids forming. You don't have different things <laughs> that make the mouth feel rounder, that make it feel more complex. Right. Um, you get the flavors of the wood and of the vanilla and of the the whatever else you get from the oak. But you don't get, to me, you don't get that roundness that you get with something that's been aged for time. Mm. So, but I like, I, I did it, the small five-gallon barrels as experiments to see just what the wood flavor would taste like. And it, it became very apparent very quickly that the wood flavor just overwhelms anything that you get from the apple spirit. Um, the fruit spirits tend to be a lot more reserved than um, the, the grain-based stuff. The grain tends to be able to really... Um, stand up to new oak whereas the fruit stuff really got overpowered very quickly to the point where um it just tasted like uh like oak and not a whole lot else and we're talking about new chard or new non-chard they were new chard they were they were the lowest for, they were the lowest level char i think they were ones which would make sense for doing this kind of you know aging of this kind of spirit because you know you go super heavy char and you're all you're gonna get just straight vanilla straight straight thick you know uh, all those kind of flavors uh, which again not a terrible thing no but no. maybe not the expression of the fruit that you're trying to go for exactly we wanted a little bit more of that like i think you do i do at least i get a little bit of like almost not apple pie but like that little bit of cinnamon spice with a little nutmeg um and a little bit of apple like a, <laughs> a caramel apple or apple skin and it's like the first thing on the palate it's that it's the roundest flavor in there is the is that cooked apple flavor? And it's not intensely cooked. It's not like you're getting yeah. like brown sugar apples necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's that rounded apple flavor that's right in the mid palate as you dive into this, where it's mm-hmm. still appley. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, it's hard. It's it's one of those things that anytime you taste something like this, you have to get through the base part of it <laughs> to get to the apple. And you have to take a couple, you got to have to take time with it too. I think that's the hardest part in the tasting room is to get people to slow down when they're tasting spirits because you have to mm. do a couple sips of it. You can't just jump in, do a shot of it and be like, oh, that's too harsh. It's, well, you haven't been drinking spirits. Your, your palate takes some time. And I'm a big fan of letting the spirit open up in the glass for a little while. You can rush that by adding a little ice or a couple, little bit of water, which I'm not against. Um, nope. or you can just let it sit there and breathe for a little while. You'll get some of those more volatile alcohols will flash off and you get more complexity the longer that it breathes. Um, I know, for example, that a lot of the like really old, uh, brandies and things and cognacs, they, they want, there are people that'll put them out to put them in a glass and just let it sit for hours hmm. and then they'll come back to it because you do get a significant difference <laughs> as it sits and as time opens it up. That's really interesting. And I know people do that you know, people, you know, they've got their, Unfortunately, uh, you know, they're, they're leaded containers, they, they're leaded <laughs> glass they put everything in, which, again, people, not a good idea to use lead in your, no, especially in your drinking high containers. high acid or, uh, or uh, uh, alcohol, and it's just oh, going to eat through that. And yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I read an article about that. Those that use the, the crystal decanters that have lead in them, yeah. people store their spirits in there, and... Like the lead content in there is like spectacular. Yeah, especially if you're doing like an infinity bottle or whatever, where you just keep adding a little bit of. You have a little bit of whiskey left. You just throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like oh, like ten years later, like you've just drank nothing but straight lead for the past ten years. Mm. 
<laughs> so that sweet character we were talking about earlier. Sweet and delicious. So we're going to open the five-year-old Applejack now. So when you said this is this is pretty much straight barrel, so you're talking, what, 110? Uh, it came in at 108 proof. Okay. Uh, we put it in at about between 100 and 110, so we actually lost a little water, gained a little alcohol on it. Um, and that happens uh, when whiskey, or in this case Applejack, <coughs> is put into a barrel. Uh, you actually lose um, some portion of the barrel. It's called the angel share. And if it's a high humidity environment, you lose alcohol. If it's a low humidity environment, you lose water. Interesting. Um, so for ours, uh, it was low enough humidity that we actually lost a little bit of the water and gained a little bit of alcohol content. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that before, that breakdown, uh, because most of the time you assume that you know it's just concentrating and your overall volume goes down over time, which is you know why longer age spirits tend to be more expensive in a lot of ways. Yes, especially those 30-year-old cognacs that were... Uh, generally, the last ten years, anything after I think like fifteen or twenty years, you're you're so low alcohol content. They just put it in uh, glass containers for like the last ten. Really? Mm. So I've been told by somebody that I would trust to know. I think he's actually a certified cognac ambassador. Oh, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I know who that is. Rochester's native eccentric. <laughs> One of my one of my favorite people in Rochester, I have to admit, and a, a, a good friend. But I, I would agree with your assessment. Yeah, somebody I, I desperately want to have on here at some point. I just don't know if I he can tell half the stories I've heard. Can I come on when he's on? Because oh, I God. think that would be a trip. I I, I don't know what I'm going to get out of it, but I need to have him over. Again, one of my favorite people, and I, I say it with with true admiration, uh, a, a true eccentric in the best possible way. I think I think the term would be original hipster. He's, oh God! He, yeah, he has all the things that everybody wishes that they had. Yeah. So shout out to to my favorite buddy Chris Carlson. <laughs> so if he if he hears this, I'm I gotta have you over. It's it's gonna be good. We're we're gonna have a good time, and we're gonna hear some. I don't know what we're gonna hear. It's gonna be great though. <laughs> so let's talk about our five year here. Light color. So again, we're not talking. It's not a fresh. Correct. Fresh oaked barrel, yep. fresh charred barrel. This is already used. This is not. Yep, we're it's still got talking a little like, hint of that redness to it. Has started to develop, but um, it's a little bit darker than the two year old. But it's it's uh, less so than you would expect with like a five year old in a new oak barrel. Um, right, right. But it's uh, definitely the aroma right away. You get just so much oh, more yeah. of those flavors and stuff yeah. coming through. Yeah, it's almost it's drastically different with the vanilla notes on the on the nose. And I think it's 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 a lot like the two year. It's just kicked up a notch, um, and you don't taste the hundred and ten proof. It actually almost feels smoother than the two year old, just because of that that extra mouth feel. It's weird. It just comes through in the mid in the mid more in the obviously the late finish. You know, the late fire is a little bit longer, but it's not it's not a palate destroyer like a lot of really young like young whiskeys are. Yeah, it's. It's a lingering burn because it's, I'm mean, you know, 110, 108. Yep. It's going to have it. You can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, it's a nice yeah. sipper for a cold night, though. It absolutely. It has that sort of full body tingle. It's weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting it right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the 
it's weird. The sweetness actually comes through a little more cleanly yeah. than the two-year does. I would agree, and I think maybe that's just more exposure to the wood. It's able to pull out some more of those wood sugars, and it also hasn't been diluted down with any um, any water or anything. So um, the story behind this is it literally comes out of the barrel. I put it in our proofing tank. Um, it goes from the proofing tank right into the bottle. There's uh, The only thing we put on it is a little screen to make sure no charcoal comes through. Yeah. So there's no no filtration, no... Um, no, nothing. I'd, I'd I'd bottle it out of the barrel if I could, but <laughs> it's a little bit difficult trying to get it. A, a, I think this one was a four high, so uh, that yeah. would have been quite the trip. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's almost a completely different animal in a lot of ways. You know, the fruit characteristics are slightly muted. I would agree. I would agree. But I think because of that little extra sweetness, I think you're you're still getting some of it in that mid palate. It's just yeah. not. It's not as pure as the two-year is. I would agree, I think. And, and you, I think you see that in certain whiskeys as well, where the longer it's aged, you do start to lose that young corn flavor and things in, in bourbons and stuff. And I, I, I do think that that you get more of that mellow sweetness. Um, and I think that's that just kind of seems to be the way spirits go as they're aged. They, they, they lose that young sprightliness mm. and instead get more of a stately demeanor, I guess would be the best way to put it for me. Yeah, and it's hard to call this stately at 108 <laughs> um, because it's, it's not, you know, I bet if it was dropped, I think it would be so dead smooth. You know, if it was dropped down to that same percentage, it was dropped down to 90, I bet it would be a completely different animal. And yeah, I'm going to, yeah, he just dropped a little water and I'm going to do the same thing. It is. It uh, opens it up a little bit, and it's it's something that, as I said earlier, I'm not somebody that's opposed to adding some drops of water or to adding a little bit of ice or anything, because there is something to be said for it. Really does open it up and and, and makes it a completely different animal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still you know it's all it's obviously still the same flavors, but I think you get some of the some of the you know, the tannic apple quality in there a little bit. It's it's a very interesting difference between the two and five. Um, again, something I've been really looking forward to trying is, you know, the five-year. I know we, we talked about it, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago when it was still, <laughs> obviously still in work. It was the three-year-old. Yeah, when it was when it was three. I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, I'm really excited to see what that means. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, we actually put one barrel down um, when the owner, Dave, had his first granddaughter, grandchild. We put a barrel down that we're going to try and let sit for 21 years and see what happens to it. Wow. I don't know if there's going to be anything left uh, in it, uh, not because we drink it, but because it evaporates. And and we drink it, um, <laughs> but uh, we'll see if that happens. And, and and beyond that, I think now the next goal with the five year out would be probably a ten. So we'll see how how that turns out. I mean, uh, you can have me back in five more years to try a ten year old. Well, you know, I I think that's I think it's interesting, and you know, trying, you know, trying, I, I you know, switching between your makers and switching to, um. You know, the Buffalo Trace, I think that'll be a different five-year when that comes out, too. That's true. I think uh, we'll see the first one of those will come through in about two years, I think would be uh, yeah. about where that would come through. So um, that's that's also the, the excitement of, of doing all single barrel for everything that we do. 
as we do get to go through and there are some barrels that I tried at two years that just weren't ready. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see after five years if I start getting some of those barrels. I mean, this is literally the first barrel that, that is available for five years. Uh, we did a handful of barrels right away when we opened and um, they were the two-year-old for the most part, but we saved one for the five-year. Uh, so the next five-year-old barrel won't be until later in the winter. Um, but it was... I'm happy it turned out this way because I tried that barrel and I was like, oh, it's perfect where it is now. I'm I'm happy with it. So um, it'll be cool to see kind of when I start to get to select them and, and even try a five-year and say, it's not ready yet. It needs to be that 10-year now. Well, and it also gives you the opportunity because I'm sure your your techniques have changed slightly since the absolute first batches that you did. And I'm sure, you know, refining that and now seeing that aged over time, I think you've probably, I'm sure you've seen changes in the two-year over the time you've been doing it. Nope. Just been the best uh, best distiller <laughs> in the world from the very beginning. <laughs> no, they, they they definitely have. It's it's something. It it it. That's actually a really good point because the this five year that we're trying now is literally when I came here was one of the first things that I made. I had been doing it five years previous. I did a, a I worked at one of the first distilleries in New York for about four or five years before that. So it wasn't my first time making something, but it was uh, my first time as the head distiller making something, and and this was one of the first things we made. We made this before anything else because I knew that we wanted a two-year-old Applejack at the time. So I said, I know that we want to put these down the barrels before I did the vodka or anything else. I said, we know we want this in barrels. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We put that down and then I started going into the rest of the stuff. So right. I, I, I think having tried even just how the unaged Applejack has changed over the past five years, um, we've definitely, I've definitely gotten uh, much better at hitting the points that I wanted to. Yeah. So I'm sure it's the kind of thing, you know, trying it now is great. And it's the kind of thing that you'll see. It's always great to track people. You know, I've, I've had, you know, the uh, black button people, Jason and other people over before and seeing how theirs has matured, uh, talking to the iron smoke people, seeing how their, oh, yeah. you know, whiskeys have matured over time and how much better, how much better they are. Oh yeah. I, I mean, they're, I, they're significantly better over time. And I think that's, that's almost one of the barriers to entry is because you do have to wait so long. Like even if you're using 10-gallon barrels or 5-gallon barrels, you still have to wait 6, 8, 10 months before you can pull that out. So whereas the, the, the beer world, they're able to make a beer. If it doesn't taste good, they know it's not going to taste good. The spirits world, it may not taste great going into the barrel, but sometimes those are the best things coming out. Yeah. And that's that's the hard part is trying to gauge that. So as I was saying earlier, when I try the barrels, I can say that's not good for a two-year, but we'll see when it gets to five. And then we'll see when it gets to eight, seven, ten. There's a lot of opportunity. A lot of opportunity. And also, at that point, you know, if you decide to start blending at some point, it gives you the opportunity. You can use your five-year label, and you can put an eight-year in there if that's the time and you want to blend (laughs) that in there. I think the the, the marketing uh, guys might not like that so much if I put an eight-year in a five-year bottle. Yeah. Well, it just depends on how many year barrel, how many year bottles you're gonna have. Yes, and <laughs> and the other thing that we can do if I don't like it at two years or five years is put it into a different kind of barrel, and that Ooh. brings us to the third sample, which is uh, this is uh, our I think it's a two year old Applejack that we then put into a red wine barrel. Interesting. So right away, you'll see the color is vastly different. Yeah, that color is. I mean, it's richly rich caramel color is what it looks like. You know, it looks like your kind of standard long-aged bourbon almost. 
It's uh, I was drinking earlier a little bit of the Midwinter's Night Dram from High West, and it has that very similar color. Um, and I think that comes from sort of the wine backbone, because there's going to be a little wine trapped in the wood. Right. And that's finished in port barrels and French oak barrels. Um, and I think this has a very distinct and similar color to that. And also a little similarity in the, the, the palate. You get a little bit more of that sweetness from the wine. Yeah, and it's a rounded sweetness. Um more so than the straight vanilla that you get on the on the five year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that rounded fruity sweetness it smells like. And this is a barrel sample, so it's probably about hundred and ten proof. I didn't actually check it when I pulled it out, but Wow. Man, you definitely, that's... you definitely get that wine note, that sort of oxidized wine note right in the beginning. Yeah, but I think in a really nice way. And it's like that when you're talking about oxidized wine, I'm talking I actually, more like port or sherry, not that. which right, which I love. You know, I love sherry. I think sherry's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure everybody loves it, but I think it that those kind of flavors are actually super, um, like simpatico with with a spirit. Yeah. Well, I think that's why you're seeing it so much recently in the wine world or in the uh, whiskey world is. Um, they are using more wine barrels, and actually you are seeing it in the wine world where there's a lot more uh, bourbon barrel-aged red wines coming out recently. Which I'm not so sure about yet. I've had one that I really liked. I've had two that I didn't, so. Yeah, it's 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 piling a lot of strong flavors on flavors that I'm not sure need to be strengthened. I can see that. That's true. But it, it's it's a completely different animal than a expression of the grape at that point. Now it's a, it's a drink in of itself. <laughs> Not a, not a. Hey, it's this kind of wine. It's really its own thing. Well, I think that's the whole challenge now. Is we have all these tools to play with, and we need to put them together in different ways to make new and unique things. Um, and I think this is that's a way somebody's figured out to do that. The spirits world, it's aging in different barrels, or it's um, using different woods. Um, I know a couple of years ago, uh, Woodford Reserve did a, a maple wood finished uh, 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 master's collection whiskey. Interesting. It was very. It was actually very good, um, but I had the fortune to talk to one of the distillers over there at one point um, at the time, and I fanboyed out a little bit on him, but um, I think he'll forgive me for that now. Um, <laughs> and I asked him about it, and he said it was the worst thing they've ever done because they lost just so much uh, uh, alcohol to evaporation through that barrel. I think within, he said within six or eight months, they had lost like 50% of the barrels. Really? Um, uh, maple is just completely different from oak. It, it just <clears throat> breathes way too much. So Different density, different, just it's a different thing. Different pore structures and everything else. And so he said it, it, was, it was successful, and they liked the way that it tasted, but the barrels that they made out of it... Uh, uh, did not uh, work. Interesting. So, yeah, it's one of those things that's easy to forget sometimes from a consumer point of view that you might love it, but if it doesn't work economically, you might not ever see it again. Or you'll see it for outrageous prices like uh, some of the uh, whiskey expressions on the market these days. Yes. Yeah, some of them are a bit pricey. <laughs> But uh, I think in my ideal world, eventually I'd be able to experiment with more than just wine barrels or French oak barrels. I'd I'd love to get some like Japanese oak or I'd love to get some Hungarian oak and, and really see what the different play and the different structure is that comes through. Because mm-hmm. I think fruit spirits especially, you can get that highlight of the of the, the oak that it goes into. It's not just about the spirit that went in. It's it, it, You can highlight the, the, the wood very well. I got to say I like this a lot. <laughs> I think this is... Uh, 
we've been kicking this one around for a little while. It's about four years. This might be the second batch of five-year-old Applejack. Yeah, I mean, it's this would this would be a very kind of very special release because it's that rounded flavor that the that the wine barrels offer. Yeah. Um, it's very pleasant. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it doesn't have to be the doesn't have to be you know the fanciest of wines to give you that mm-hmm. kind of characteristic, especially when you give it up to oxidation. Yeah. Um, because no matter what the wine is, once you give it to <laughs> oxidation, it kind of has its own thing at that point. True. I think that's a very distinct and strong characteristic in wine, but can be rather pleasant in a spirit. Mm. Yeah, super well-rounded, different fruit characteristic. I wouldn't say it's particularly apple anymore. No, I wouldn't say it's grapey necessarily, but it's got no. those wine characteristics. It's that it's super rounded. It's that rounded fruit that it's hard to define what it is. At least for me, um, especially at barrel proof. Yeah. Um, if we were sommeliers, we could just make things up. Like it tastes like a, a breeze blowing through a, a an orchard on a snowy Saturday evening. Mm, I was gonna say I would if I was throwing random descriptors out. It's weird, like you get you get almost some citrus in it because of how it still has some brightness, but it's like that almost raspberry stone fruit. Yeah, you could always you can always throw out <laughs> stone fruit if oh. you're talking about wine. You always throw out stone fruit and minerality, and it's it sounds great. It just sounds like you know what you're doing, um, but no, it's it's got some of that kind of thing going on. That it's a it's a rounded. You get a little almost a little citrus, a little that that rounded. You know, dried fruit, but it's it's not dates. too much. Yeah, dates always sound good too. Yeah. But it's you know it's it's really nice. I like that a lot. And now for the fourth one. Now for the fourth one. Yeah, we're gonna do a rinse. So this is um, very young. Uh, <laughs> It's we did during one of my recent Applejack runs. Um, I actually pulled out a little bit of the hearts to do a single pot distilled version, and I put it in a small five gallon barrel just to see what a little bit of oak would do with it and how it would come out. Um, in doing this, I've learned a lot. Um, it's not necessarily, at least at this level of oak aging, not something that I find amazing, but it has potential. So the first question I have is the base part is distilled the same as the Applejack or is it a separate distillation? It was. So our all of our spirits uh, up to this point are at least twice distilled. Okay. Um, we do a stripping run um, to begin with and then we do the secondary distillation. Uh, we have two stills. Um, we have our pot still and our column still. The vodka is the only thing that goes in the column still. All the Applejack, et cetera, will go into the pot still twice. And that allows me to make cleaner cuts so the product comes out a little bit smoother. Mm. And it allows me to control for flavors a little bit better. But there are a lot of old world brandy makers that'll do just one distillation. And they'll put it through a pot still and take the hearts of that. And that tends to be something that you need to age much longer. So I tried just taking a little bit of that and seeing... If there was potential. It's that one pass kind of thing. It's that single single pot distilled um, one pass, and it's 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 unique, and it's something that we're going to keep working towards. 
But um, when we tried the Calvados earlier, this was really the most reminiscent thing that I had to what that would be like. And so it's a, it's maybe a little bit more character of the fruit is what you're really going for when you're doing this kind of, right? It would be, yeah. Um, you get a little bit more character of the fruit and you get a little bit... Um, it's kind of a, a sacrifice. You get more fruit, but you get a little bit of more, a little bit more harshness too. Mm. Um, and that's constantly what what we're competing with as distillers. Is you have something the most distilled thing you can have is vodka. It's generally the smoothest, but there's no flavor because a lot of the flavors come out with that or are are associated with compounds that make it less smooth. And then you have the brandies and whiskeys and things like that that are twice distilled, tend to be a little bit smoother but less flavorful. Mm. And then you have the single-pass stuff like this, which in the beginning, at least when it's young, um, tends to be rough around the edges, um, which is why a lot of that stuff is aged as long as it is. I absolutely see what you're saying. One, I like this more than the one we tasted before, the one I had, I had purchased. I can see where it could go. Yeah, and that's and that's what the intention of this experiment was. We might do a, a larger barrel now for a couple of years and see how that turns out. But it's it's just it's it's different. So it's it's not that there's sweetness because it's fully distilled. It's not and it's fully fermented. So there's no sweetness, but I think you're getting more of the more of the secondary characteristics of an apple than the juice part. You're getting some of those you know, rounder apple flavors, those aromas in it. It's actually almost got like a butteriness to it. It's weird. I'm, I'm going to say it's it's not right. It's like a young whiskey, and it tastes grainy. Yeah. But I think you're getting more of that, more of that rough apple characteristic in there. It, and it's it feels very similar to a to a young whiskey in a small barrel where you get more of that raw characteristic. I could see that. Um, but I, I, I see where you could go with it, where it could be it could be really interesting. I think this would be something that actually could stand up to a new barrel uh, versus the other stuff because it does have just a little bit more structure mm. um, that you haven't gotten rid of. It's weird. I, the long finish, I just got a hair of it in the, like, the back of my palate is like straight apple. <laughs> so I think I think you're right. I think that could be the interesting thing is in a new charred barrel where you let it sit and you let it, you have more characteristics to have a backbone on top of. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. That's, we never stop learning. I think that's, that's the, the, uh, the takeaway from that is that we're, I'm always going to try something different. And that's the, as, as I said earlier, that's the fun part about being, doing it on a micro scale is that, I can try something like that. Like I just, I was able to pull off five gallons from a batch and just see what it would taste like. And now that if it turns out right, and I'll give it another six months or so, maybe we'll go to a bigger barrel or a new barrel or something like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, and you know what? Because because you're local, because you're not on a national scale, when you decide to do one barrel, that's still 220 bottles. I mean, that's that's a that's actually a decent run for a local place. And you can do something unique. You can do something limited run that has a different characteristic, that has this, I don't know, unique unique profile. Yeah. And if you dial it in, I think people are going to dive into that. People want different. People want unique as long as it's good. 
And that's why point. they should drink more Applejack. And they should drink more Applejack. It is unique. I mean, it's it's. I think we have more Applejack distilleries in New York than any other state in the union. I think there's there's at least four that I can think of, maybe five uh, Applejack distilleries, <laughs> and it's it's something that's becoming uniquely. It's uniquely American, but it's becoming uniquely. New York almost. We're almost getting a little bit of a subcategory of, of, of New York Applejack. And uh, I don't know, sitting here, maybe I need to approach the rest of the guys and do like the Rye guys did where they have the Empire State Rye. Maybe I it's, need to. That's not a bad idea. And you know what? I mean, one of the classic cocktails is, you know, the, the Jack Rose is a classic cocktail, um, which I know some people aren't huge fans of because it's, I mean, it's. It covers up a lot of the flavors, maybe. Grenadine, lemon juice, or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, sugar. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's one of those things that if you crafted it all the way through, yeah. I bet it could actually be delightful. It's a, it is, it's a nice cocktail. We've done it at the distillery a number of times. I think uh, I've seen it at Revelry with our Applejack, and I think I've seen it at uh, Good Luck with our Applejack as well. It's, right, because if you just use, like, standard grenadine, it's just, that's all it's going to taste like. Yeah. But I bet if you use like if you use proper crafty grenadine and you use <laughs> you boil some uh, p- pomegranate juice for yeah, sixteen hours or whatever it is. I like it. So I mean, it's the kind of thing that you can use in you can use straight. Obviously, it's a it's mm-hmm. a good sipper, um, both the two and five year. But you know what? I mean, it's it's always a good opportunity to be creative. Oh, definitely. To try different things with it. Yeah, I, we've done uh, old fashions out of the two year. I think they've come out very well. I've. I've seen. Um, we also have done Manhattans, um, and it's it, it's 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 a unique characteristic. It's like the difference between a bourbon and a rye is going to make a very different uh, Manhattan. And uh, you throw Applejack in there, and it makes a likewise a very different Manhattan. And yeah. uh, we actually make them at our tasting room, and we call them the Williamson, uh, kind of as a throwback to where we are. So yeah, let's throw out some final plugs. So <laughs> Apple Country Spirits is in Williamson. We're in Williamson. We're uh, about uh, two or three miles south of 104. Um, you can go right down 21, which is uh, the other main street in the town, um, and take a right onto Eddy Road. Um, we're open Friday three to nine. We have food, um, generally live music, uh, and then we're open Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we do tastings. We do flights of our cider. Uh, we have cocktails. Um, and we have uh, uh, some uh, usually a local beer on draft for people that may not like uh, wine or uh, hard cider or spirits. Um, and we have uh, a, a pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful uh, uh, views out, out of the tasting room in the orchard. Um, and then we are on the Lake Ontario Wine Trail. Uh, so there's uh, five wineries, two cideries, a distillery, or three cideries now, uh, and a distillery on that. So there's uh, something for everybody. Yeah, so make a make a David on a Saturday. Uh, go out and check out a bunch of the new, bunch of the places over in the area. And uh, Colin McConville, thanks for uh, stopping by, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. See ya.